Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod with Rugby Pass and Sky Television after a wonderful weekend of Rugby Union. We had it all. We had the Teflon Crusaders coming up with a win. Had the Blues sneaking away from the Canes. To please both my co-hosts, I'd have to say, we also had a fired-up Tony Brown and a kick. Well, did it go over? I'm not 100% sure. Joining me, James Parsons, Blues legend, skipper, <laughs> whatever you call him. And down south, we've got Bryn Hall, who picked up probably the try of the season after 16 minutes. That's just greedy, Bryn. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, to tell you the truth, I was pretty lucky there. Actually, there was probably three or four of us that were the inside, so I was just a lucky recipient oh. of um of a pop of a popping up. To be honest, see we did a lot of hard work and please, mate. mate you, to be honest, I'll, 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 you I'll be had honest, your you, hand mate, up. You had your hand up early. I saw the support line. As soon as you passed it from the line out, you were running that support line. And Sivu got on the outside and that hand was up early. Go to the wide angle and you'll see that hall hand up waving. <laughs> early doors. I'll tell you what, Chip, I'll tell you what, it was a, it was a bittersweet moment because the last time I played against the Highlanders, obviously I've been made a meme for the last six months. So <laughs> it was quite nice actually to dot down and I actually held the ball with two hands as tight as I could just to make sure that that wasn't, um, wasn't a repeat, especially at the zoo, which was right in front of me. So now, nah, thankfully, dotted down over the white line. I'm just stoked he's given us another reason to play that piece of imagery from last year. Oh, I yeah. I believe you just opened that back up. Well, this time, Josh Mackay's on his team, too. <laughs> oh, that's it. Like, we talked, it was quite funny. We talked about it throughout the week, and Josh actually gave me a bit of advice before before we got on the field. <laughs> just a bit of, bit of banter. And just said, mate, make sure you hold on to that ball tightly there, Hall, especially in front of the zoo. So, yeah, it's funny <laughs> how things happen. And uh, again, just. Thank, thank the Lord it happened and I scored the try. Didn't, didn't bobble it. Talk us through it. Was it a set-piece move? Like, uh, was, it, was it planned that you were going to be in the inside? The, the, the cross kick, was that all supposed to happen? No, nah, that was just a heads-up play. I think the move itself, it ended up working out pretty well and Jack did really well to get, a, to get the ball across to, to Shea and then Shea gave it to Sebu, who you know, I thought was outstanding on, the, on, on Friday night, just as involvement in the game. And then... Yeah, just a real heads-up play. Seba does that a lot of training around just kicking the ball with his right foot, his left foot. And, yeah, I guess it wasn't it was, wasn't practice, but, um, you know, I've seen Seba do a few kicks like that during during our training session. So, pretty lucky in the end. He's a phenomenal talent, isn't he? Oh, he is, absolutely. I, I think, though, the Highlanders will probably look back on the tape and I think, uh, you know, Nareki sort of got caught halfway house defensively. If he'd just committed fully, he might have got to Jack a little bit earlier or he'd just been a little bit more patient and connected with Solomon Alomalo, but because he was that sort of halfway house, it allowed Jack to get that ball out to, to Shea, and then it was just a sort of two-on-one, and then 
I suppose Sevu did his thing and, and got the nice bounce for, for Brinner and the try was scored. But, uh, you know, that was it was a great start to Super Rugby Aotearoa and uh, it's an exciting way to sort of set things up to away wins. We spoke about the importance of those away wins and mm. uh, I suppose, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, Tony Brown's comments that the Crusaders traditionally uh, fight hard to, to get those wins and, and they certainly had to fight hard at 19-13. The game was certainly in the balance. They're on their, on their line, another yellow card and and, and they were right in trouble there and, and they defended their line extremely well um, by their, uh, their VC and, and Cody Taylor, who I thought was exceptional. Mm. What did you make of those comments from Tony Brown, Jibble? Oh, look, I think there was a little bit of frustration probably at his own team that they didn't capitalise on all the possession and territory they did have, especially early in the game. Um, you know, they, they, they went to their mall and, and it let them down. Their scrum also let them down. They had a lot of ball um, in that first 20. I think they had three or four times in that 22 and they didn't get any points out of it. And then, you know, the frustration of that, the Crusaders go down to their 22 twice and score. And that, that hurts, I suppose. So there's that frustration. And then obviously in that later period, that 60 to 70 minute mark, they get all those penalties and they mount and they go to their mall um, and they get pushed backwards. We know the Crusaders are just so efficient in that mall defence and, and Scott Robinson credits Jace Ryan's work there, but they were so efficient. You know, Cody Taylor, I mentioned before, he got one turnover in that first 20 early um, and unfortunately it was kicked out on the full by Shea Fiaki. They had a great opportunity to counter-attack and then again, late in the piece, Cody Taylor again got a turnover in that mall period and then the line-out sort of went to, to, I suppose they overthrew or they threw one not straight as well, the Highlanders, and that frustration adds up um, into that. So to his comments, uh, I, I think the refs dealt with it well. I think they were penalised, they were warned, and the yellow cards were given. So I don't know what more could have been done, and, and I, I don't think um, there's anything cynical. They're, they're competing um, as best they can, and yes, I suppose from the week before, uh, we spoke about it on here, the discipline and, and the amount of penalties that were given away in the preseason game. I sort of uh, jumped to their defence and I thought that they would rectify things. And I was looking at the penalty count. I think there was five um, infringements in that first 20, four penalties and, and one free kick at, at scrum time. And I was thinking, good, good Lord, they haven't <laughs> uh, learned from their mistakes. But uh, the skipper, Scott Barrett, mentioned that they, they need to adjust and, and I'm sure they will adjust again because the refs aren't going to let up on them and, and now it's at a point that the refs will be looking at them even harder uh, than probably the opposition. I don't know how Bryn uh, probably feels about that. Yeah, I think you're spot on. Yeah, it's, I guess we kind of talked about it last week around our discipline and you know, we had four yellow cards in 80 minutes of, of two halves against the against the Chiefs and, and the Blues last week. So, yeah, for us it's a, it's a bit of a theme, unfortunately, and look, we're... Um, you, know, you can't afford to really get yourselves in those positions. I think for us, actually looking at the stats, we had seven of our nine penalties in the first half were actually within the first two phases. So um, for us, you know, we're giving teams a, a real out and coming back to your point, Jip, around you know, the Highlanders in that first 20 minutes, we just didn't have a lot of momentum based around our our, our, our discipline. And um, you know, for, for us, you know, it was pretty tough for us to defend. They went at our set piece, especially with our mall and um, you know, coming back to Jace Ryan and all the work our forwards do. Uh, we knew we had to be on the job there and we're fortunate enough to not let in any points there. But now, look, I think, you know, for us, you know, we don't want to be that team that, that, that becomes our trademark around um, being penalised and um, getting teams easy outs. And then, you know, our refs looking at us even more because, again, these derbies can be can be so hard and especially when you give away penalties or um, that momentum that you have. Like, we were up 14 points to nil and then, you know, 
penalties upon penalties, a sin bin with Ethan Blackhead, and then, you know, Nuggy chucks a flat ball going back to the area where he would have been if, you know, if he was on the field. So, you know, for us, it's just been able to, to keep chipping away at it, and look, we've just got to be better at it. We can't afford to get ourselves in, in these positions again because, like I said, these derby games, we're going to start losing games for keeping ourselves under pressure like that. Now, you'll obviously disagree with Tony Brown on, you know, the fact that he thinks you guys get the rub of the green. But tell me, how does it make you feel or how does it make the team feel when you hear that kind of public accusation? Well, I think it's fair. I think it's fair. The, the ref's a referee and look, we're all playing on the same the same way. We've all been delivered around what the rules are and what the expectations are. So unfortunately for us, we're just not, uh, we're not respecting that. And, and so we've got to be able to make a, a clear shift. And so for us, you know, it's been able to educate ourselves as best as we can. And look, we've been trying to do that the last two weeks. And and it's probably just the over-eagerness and the, um, I guess, the aggression and the competitiveness that we want to try um, put teams under pressure, especially defensively, especially with the um, the ball players and especially with other teams and how how well they attack now, especially in um, Super Rugby Aotearoa. We just want to try to chase around that. A lot of offsides and wasn't actually at the breakdown a lot. So um, those comments are fair because, you know, we're putting ourselves in those positions where we aren't doing it right. So we've got to make a shift and. We're trying to do that. We try to do that in-game, and um, I guess moving forward, we want to see those numbers drop down so we don't um, put ourselves under pressure. That's what he's saying is that there should have been more. You know, um, Joe Moody probably, you know, was very lucky not to get yellow. He's saying that there probably yeah. should have been more, and you guys were lucky. Um, you know, that's it's quite strong, isn't it? Mm. Well, I, th- I think it is, and I guess, you know, that was said pretty much right after the game, so emotions are high, and, mm. um, you know, that's it's pretty fair to think about you know, there's 16 or 17 pennies or whatever the penalty count was for us. But I think coming back to Jip's point as well is pretty fair. I think, you know, they gave us a lot of questions around our mall and um, the times that they were inside the 22, we we kind of stopped them. So, you know, as any player, not only the Highlanders, but, you know, if we had me, as many opportunities like that, we'd be frustrated ourselves as well. So we'd want to try and find solutions of how we can try and get better in that department. So, um, but I think it does come back to a bit of credit for us defensively as well. Uh, we made a lot of tackles in that game. We made 160 tackles to... You know, the Highlanders 100 and 120. Oh, sorry, the Highlanders made 120. So I guess for us, you know, um, we've got a. I think that's the. Bit of good. That's the thing, Brenners. Like you guys can take a lot of like because when you're set defensively, it's it's impressive. Like that you were forcing errors. I think just before Cody Taylor's try, you'd forced a turnover. Yeah, you got a penalty from that at a breakdown. I think Sam Whitelock uh, got the penalty. You went from that line. I know actually it was just before your try. I think defensively you got up off the line. You you smacked them behind the gain line. Aaron Smith couldn't get his game going. Uh, Sam Whitelock got the turnover. Went to that line out. You scored your try, and it was like you'd absorbed all that pressure. Defensively looked so structurally sound, and and it's almost like you just need to take that half a step and trust that your system because it is. It's such a great system yeah. that's proven to work for so so many years. And it, I suppose I think it's just to your point. You, you guys are just so keen and eager to, I suppose, smash bodies yeah. that you're just you're just jumping that half second. Just to just to deflect away from that. Well, you, you mentioned the tactical nous of the Highlanders. I just want to go to that try that you said when Ethan Black had went off. It'd be so easy for a team to go to that scrum and do the Macho Bravo thing and go, oh, we're going to go eight v seven. But the quick hook. Straight off the back, Marino goes in, straight away, pops off the back, good carry, quick ball. Aaron Smith knows that Ethan Blackhead is not going to be there because he's in the bin, and it's just that quick ball pass straight back.
back to Frizzell, Cody Taylor and, and the uh, props don't have time to reload and get set, and it's just an easy try. Mm. And they'd been bashing away, bashing away with mauls and thing, and that's a tactical awareness of Mitch Hunt and Aaron Smith to go, okay, let's take advantage straight away of this yellow card. Rather than kicking to the corner and doing a maul, I just thought that was great tactical awareness to get reward for the yellow card straight away. And then again on... Um, Connor Garden Bashup's try. Another credit to Aaron Smith and his ability to uh, bullet pass. And I did credit during the night to my wife, and me old mate's bullet pass too. It is very crisp, Bryn. But Aaron Smith's is is very effective as well. He he trapped six Crusaders defenders on that second try with one pass out to Punivai and then Punivai's short ball out to Hunt dragged out McLeod and probably a little bit of an experience from, from McLeod it really sucked out to Hunt and then Hunt obviously gave that short ball uh, to Nareki and then it was an easy two on one but that, that all started from the bullet pass of Aaron Smith to trap six Crusaders defenders by one pass which is, which is really impressive to have you know, if that ball is, is floated or slow, that try's not scored. And and there was that Christmas and sharp tactical awareness and skill set of Aaron Smith on the night that created those two tries, I felt, and he he was exceptional. And and the and the beauty is you we're gonna see the best out of Aaron Smith, I think, because I've got the ability to go to Fakatava early, mm. because I've got trust in his game plan and his ability, which is which is great for the competition. And it's no different to what we saw of a Safar Moore in the Hurricanes. Again, it's great for All Black Rugby because Dane Coles isn't going to have to play 80 minutes every week. You can have this balance and, and it's going to bring the best out of us for our All Black and Test match because we're creating more and more depth and we know the brutal nature of Super Rugby Aotearoa that you're going to see this ability to rest and I suppose that's why we're not seeing all this um, All Blacks must play this amount of minutes because of this depth in the Super Rugby squads and, and the trust in the coaches to utilise these players. Just something I picked up. Yeah, it's good because Aaron Smith sometimes would go 75-80 if they really needed him to. Exactly, um, and it was yeah. a crucial time when they subbed him, and, and normally you'd see, but because of um, Falau Fakatava's growth and development and what he's proven for the Magpies and showing pre-season, he came on, I think it was 30 minutes, to 25, 30 minutes to go. And, and I think it was um, interesting because, you know, Brins had the ability, I think, came off at th uh, with 35 to go, and that one-two punch of Mitchell Drummond and himself has been so effective for them for years. You know, this is creating the ability for the Highlanders to have a similar effect and, and not lose as much in past years when, when Aaron's come off the field. Yeah, I just want to jump back to the pass yeah. that you guys were talking about. Bryn, you, you threw a similar pass. I think it went to Whanganuku uh, out on the wing. How difficult is it to throw, I suppose in, what, in rugby league they'd call a face ball? You know, yeah. just directly in front of the opposition, past three or four defenders. That, how ballsy a play is that? And, and how often do you think you should pull that out? <laughs> it's actually a good question because the other one I chucked to Solomon Alomalo. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it is one of those things. I think it's just a, it's a real um, see what's in front of you. I think um, you kind of just see the pitches of, you know, some, some wingers are quite tight. And so the ability to, to just chuck it is, is more of like a just decision in the moment. And, you know, probably in that one there, we had an advantage as well. So the kind of, um, the percentage play was actually, was quite, quite a high one because, you know, even if it did get intercepted, then we've got a scrum. So, um, but then conversely, if you look at the Solomon kind of decision there, um, it's a risk. It's a risk we'll take. You know, we're we had about three or four phases. We were on top of them. Good go forward ball, and then again, you know, if I get if I get that pass and it's nice, then it's a try. We're probably not talking about it. And then you know, the other you go the other way, it's an intercept and you let all that momentum off. So 
it is a it is a risk and reward but i think you know i think it's a real feel it's a real feel aspect and so you're going to get it right sometimes and yeah sometimes yeah you're not going to get it right and is that the comms coming from the winger to get that ball out it's yeah sometimes it's sometimes it's comms or sometimes it's just a little look or like a little you're looking both eyes and up so sometimes when you come around the corner you just get a glimpse so and that in that example if you're seeing the in the pictures um Seve's putting his hand up um, really quick when i'm coming around the corner so that's a little thing that I can see. And so, again, I'm already looking for that. But those kind of cues that, you know, we've talked about a lot on the show, if you talk around communication, but, you know, non-verbal ones as well with your hand or just a little look or be happy in those decisions. Brenner, 48% of your guys' tries that came up during the game is between the 60-minute mark and 80-minute mark. And you guys, for a strange, like a different reason, I suppose, normally you go to the corner. But you opted to shoot for goal around, I think it was 61 minutes, and, you, and he had a shot at goal for a penalty goal rather than going to the corner. Is, was that a tactical shift or was that to buy uh, you know, your team a breather? What was the thinking around? I know you went on the field at the time, but has that been discussed or was that just a decision at the time? I think it was just a decision at the time. And I think, um, especially in, those kind of, in those kind of, that kind of time, um, you know, momentum was going back and forth. We started well, then the Highlanders started well, um, came back and it got pretty even just before half time. And so we're kind of in that kind of stalemate. And, you know, you know, you get into the stamina and sometimes, you know, if you go for that drive, um, you don't get it. And then the, the pressure the pressure's released off and you come out with no points. So I guess at that moment, um, it was back and forth and it was a good time to just maybe take, take the three points, get some points on the board, get some confidence. And then again, we can reset again. But um, yeah, like, I said, um, I'm pretty sure that was the thinking, the thinking behind it, just to get some reward for the kind of the feel how the game was going. Yeah, especially I think that probably comes back to what Tony Brown said as well about territory and possession. They had 60% territory, 60% possession. They had more penalties go their way, but they didn't do what they could do with the ball and, and get those those points. They didn't kick the penalties they had on offer. You guys did. Rugby is about taking opportunities when they come up, not ball in hand, not you know what you're doing necessarily across where you are on the field, is it? So do you think we'll see the Highlanders tactically maybe shift and, and build scoreboard pressure against the Chiefs this week? More so maybe later in the game rather than going for those, you know, because they, they went for the malls or they'll stick to their game. I don't know. I just think the style that Tony Brown is, is a risk versus reward mm. sort of style. And I think that they'll probably stick to their guns and back themselves because they were so effective pre-season at, at scoring those points. And, and let's just give credit where credit's due. The Crusaders... I don't think yeah. under Scott Robinson and Jason Ryan have had a more try scored against you. Am I correct in saying that, Bryn? Yeah, I think it's yeah. I think so. I'm not too sure what the obviously what preseason the or, preseason uh, um, you have, but I don't think they have had a more try scored against them um, in Super Rugby. So, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty you know keen stat that I know that that forward pack wants to keep. So you, you, maybe you've got to play away. And, and I, Tony Brown actually made a, a statement of maybe we needed some you know, options around that mall rather than just going to the same thing. So maybe you'll see some shifts yeah, in those tactics. Yeah, just on that, because I think um, it's, a really good, it's a really good point because you know, last year in 2020, um, Super Rugby Aotearoa, they were the best team in the 20 meter, 22 metre zone with being able to score tries. They were ranked first. So um, um, for us, you know, the the line-up drive to to get Nuggie when he's playing out. Um, you know, everybody's going to be on high alert. So I think moving 
moving forward possibly if they don't get those rewards in uh, the mauling aspect then I think you know using the, the, the midfielders on down lines um, you know Aaron Smith running around with, with, with rovers around him and him quick, getting quick ball and then hitting flat runners I think that could be a solution for them um, if they decide to you know if they don't get the rewards that they did on the weekend with their malls. Can you just explain for those uninitiated what down lines are? Sorry, so like um, you would have seen in the past where Aaron Smith does those bullet passes that you're talking about, Ross. So you'd have like a midfielder, like a 13 or a 12. They, there's three forwards that are coming around the corner and then there's a midfield back who's come, pretty much comes blind. So as a defense as a defense pattern, you don't really see him unless you've like, you've done your preparation throughout the week. So, you know, Malachi Fikito used to do that. If you looked in preseason, Fatuli Paya does that really, really well. And so, and what that does, it just goes outside the heart defense of, you know, usually the first three defenders beside the ruck. And so it's a really good form of momentum that you can go forward. Um, and then, again, when you've got quick ball and those downline runners are coming hard at you, it's really hard to defend. And you would have seen pitches where Aaron Smith did a lot of that last year, and it probably led to them why they were the number one, one ranked team in the country when they got down to the 22-meter zones and actually scored a lot of points from those kind of plays. And we didn't see as many of those on the weekend. No, we didn't. And, and they ran it really well pre-season. I think Michael Collins ran a really good one uh, when he came on against the Hurricanes and they scored straight from it. So he ran a good downline from outside to in, good strong carry. And from that, with quick ball, they scored straight away, I think, um, through Lynchies or someone. But uh, I, I, just on that, I think um, maybe putting a Michael Collins in at 13... Uh, for, for the Chiefs game, just having a little bit more of a settled feel in there and a little bit of um, leadership and experience could be a good fit for them if, if Fatilu Pai is still still not right. Uh, nothing to do with Punavai. I thought he was still um, really solid in the 13, but I just think it could be a good fit for them um, against the Chiefs, you know, going away from home and, and a real backs against the wall and, and take it to them to, to get a result off the back of a really tough, hard-fought game. You know, where, you know we speak about them all... Um, you know, and it was probably a double-edged sword for them in pre-season where they'd had so much success with their mall that they kept going to it because they'd scored so many tries. And, and maybe we'll see that, you know, the, the, those alternative variations around off the back of it now. And then that's when they'll be able to go back to their mall now because they know that they're very good at it. They've had a lot of success they, against Crusaders pre-season, so they know they can do it. But having those variations then will make teams think and then they might be able to have that success going back to it. Mm. The Highlanders, I think, showed potential. Like they, they, they were good. They, they, the game was there at 19:13. Like yeah. I think the Crusaders would have been really edgy, and and I mean it was right there in the balance. That was, and I, I, between the skip and the vice captain and that mall where they did the business, as in Scott Barrett and Cody Taylor, that was a crucial moment, and that was the momentum shifter, getting that penalty turnover, and then they marched up the field and they got their own mall try. Uh, from there, and, and then that, that was sort of the clinching of the game. But man, it was it was right there for the taking. Um, and then you know that unfortunate, um, you know, being called back for that knock on. Did Richie put that down, Bryn? Because we couldn't get a camera angle on the night. Yeah. Or would have that been I a think, try? Yeah, to be honest, I was what I was. If that wasn't a knock-on, um, yeah, it would have been a try because yeah, they actually showed you wouldn't have seen it on TV, but I think they did show that he'd actually missed the ball. And he said on the field that he had, yeah, he didn't actually ground it. So, yeah, it would have been a try if that knock-on knock on didn't didn't come through. Yeah, so, I mean, it was right there. That moment there was it was right there. But, I mean, that was the beauty of uh, technology because, albeit a very small bobble, it's a, it's a knock-on nonetheless. Well, that leads us to the next part, the Canes versus the Blues, and what you can and can't do with the technology. 
Geordie Barrett takes a shot at goal and it goes what appears to have gone directly over the top of the upright. Now, he didn't look like he believed it went over the top of the upright. He made it look like he thought it went in. The commentators yeah. thought it went in. The touchies didn't put the flags up and it was ruled nothing. If you are the captain, you would think that that's the kind of thing you would want within the captain's challenge. It's three points. The game's pretty much in the balance at that point, And you're not allowed to challenge on a kick at goal. Surely that should be part of the rules, but it's not. What do you think? Oh, look, it was clearly outlined at the start where you could challenge. And, and this might be part of making adjustments to, to make the captain's challenge. Because there's certainly time too in that period because it's about time, isn't it? So with a conversion, you know, Geordie could go, mate, that, you know, go up to the, his captain and Artie and say, mate, that was over, can you challenge it or whatever. So there's, there's enough time to, to have a challenge in this instance if there was to be adjustment. To me, it looked like it went right over the post. So, um, you know, whatever the rule is there, from my understanding, if it goes over the post, it, it, is, it, it isn't a goal. But um, I think Bryn's probably best answer this because everyone's going to think I'm biased, obviously, <laughs> um, because it was at a crucial time. 21 to 18 does change things up a little bit. And I know the score does blow out to 31 16 and, and doesn't read as tight as it was, but that was the 67 minute mark or 66 minute mark and it does change the tactical thinking, the momentum feeling and, and the tension of the game at 21-18 mm -hmm. to 21-16. Yeah. Yeah, just to put, you, put yourself at ease there, Jim, I, I thought it went over, uh, me personally. But um, I think a good thing they have there around this go. review system, I know there's obviously there's, there's guidelines of how, that, how it works, but you know, you think about when they score, when when a try is scored, they can go back at any any part in that sequence and look through if there's anything if there's anything wrong or like you look at the Highlanders example, they went back and obviously they saw the knock on at the um, at the ruck. So I don't see why it shouldn't be any different for a penalty goal, where you can't actually have a look and you know it only takes you know 30 seconds to a minute and it's a pretty big decision and especially in, in the context of a game. Like imagine if that's a 19 all draw to win a game and you don't go upstairs, you don't have a look at it with something like that. So I think. You know, being able to adapt and I guess have the learnings of a scenario like that where, you know, the last thing you want in a game is it to come to TMO or, you know, they haven't got the decision right. So, um, yeah, I guess that's my, that's my view on it. Yeah, yeah. But it, in the end, it turned out to be a, a bit of a blowout, um, yeah. unfortunately, for the Hurricanes. But in a lot of ways, you must be pretty happy with the way the Blues went in their opening game away. Yeah, absolutely. I think an away win is huge. I spoke about um, the crucial nature of this fixture, you know, probably blew our chances of winning Super Rugby Aotearoa last year. So to go away round one and get a result like this and, and, and probably left a lot out there, you know, especially in that first half, you know, Caleb made a few breaks and then the ball just slipping out. Um, I think, you know, uh, Nepo knocked one on um, in the middle of the field after we'd made a great break through, through Hoskins, um, a quick hook, um, and then they made a break down the sideline, made about 30 metres, and then we came back to the midfield, knocked it on. So, um, and then we went to a line out, made a great, break around the corner and then we were slow to fold and Sam Nock was like get around the corner to the forwards and that slow nature and then Artie Savia gets a turnover mm. um, he got a number of crucial turnovers in that first half and you know we spent a lot of time we spoke about you know the Highlanders 
um, you know, ability to go to the 22 and, and convert that into points, you know, similar to the Blues in that, you know, first going to the 22 and not coming away with points. So I know that, you know, as a group and, and you know, hearing Leon speak afterwards, he's, he's wrapped with the result uh, and really happy with the second 40 and the shift um, that the, the forwards made and, and the game drivers, but, you know, left a lot of points out there and a lot of opportunities. But the beauty is, is they're learning to win when they're not quite performing mm -hmm. at, their, at their best, and I think that's that's a massive growth um, in, in this this team's yep. uh, development. Yeah, when you look at those Artie turnovers, Absolutely. they were on pretty much his own line almost every time, and it's not like there weren't numbers in those um, those rucks from the Blues. No, Brennan, what did you see there? What could the Blues do better to to turn those opportunities into points and turn that game into what could have been a massive win? Yeah, I think it's. It's pretty tough, I think, for Artie. Those were, you know, those were crucial moments in games. You know, we've talked about it. He's talked about the the test matches with the the Wallabies. You know, Artie's did those very similar things for the All Blacks when what the Wallabies were right against their line and made a big play like that. So, I think the only thing you, you can do in those situations, Jip, you're probably going to be probably be able to elaborate a little bit more, but it's just consistently trying to win the race into that into that space and not give him, him an opportunity to, to jackal because, look, when he's got a wide base, you know, he's one of the best in the world that's been able to get jackals. And, and you saw that on the weekend where, um, you know, they're close against the line and he's got two or three steals um, in crucial moments like that. So, And what I mean by winning the race is that you just don't give him an opportunity to get in that position. So uh, no doubt, you know, Tom Coventry is massive around that, around winning the race. So... You get under him, you don't give him a chance to get on that ball, and then you know you can play with the quick, the really quick ball. The likes of when Sam Knock gets the ball out quick, and you've got the big ball four carries, you know, like Hoskins, Akira, Paddy, Gerard. You know, you get those balls going forward. So um, Jip can probably elaborate yeah. a little bit more on that, but I think you know winning the race would have been crucial in those moments there. You're bang on, Bryn, but it's the tempo. So if you look at uh, Tom Robinson's try against the Crusaders mm. in preseason, it's bang, 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 boom, try. And if you watch it, it's Dalton um, pulls the ball to Akira and Akira runs and that's all tempo. That was great, that clean. But then they're waiting. They're, from that ruck there, they're just waiting. And then that slow, that carry slow and the clean slow and then he's over the ball. And, and that's, that's probably yeah. the difference is that tempo and, and that speed of the nature of that clean. So if you look at the two instances, it's just that tempo and that, I suppose, that... Um, the winning of the race, but that 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 speed of play, and you you just can't play off the back of that slow ball, and especially someone like Artie, if you're not going to move um, at speed and and move move him out of the way, that wide base and his ability to attack the ball, and all you really have to show is that genuine uplift. If you don't get rid of him early, he's he's always going to win a result there, and and he did really well in that first forty. But like I said, like. The, the Blues forwards in that second 40 really rolled up their, their sleeves and, and, and got the job done. And, and I think the bench that came on really added an impact. And I think a crucial change for the Blues was at the 68-minute mark in Tom Robinson. Um, he, he, his, his attitude and his energy was a big shift in momentum. That's when it was 21-16. And if you, if you watch when he came on from the line-out, he had a carry and he just busts through and then he has a clean, and then he gets another carry. And then from then on, I think we get uh, Josh Goodhue gets held up over the line or it's turnover, and then from from there, we, we stay down there. But then Mark Talia makes that massive break. Mm. Who's there to clean him? Tom Robinson cleans it. And then from there, Oteri plugs uh, the, the corner. And then from that line out, um, 
I think it's another penalty, but then they kick that penalty and it's overthrown. From that overthrow, the Blues go over there and they get the penalty, the crucial penalty at 24, makes it 24-16. And all from that, I think out of seven or eight plays, Tom Robinson is all surrounded through his energy, his accuracy and his willingness to just go all in for the, for, for the Blues. And, you know, he would have wanted more minutes than 12 minutes, but he didn't sulk. And that, that's what I mean, you know, like he just put it all out there for that 12 minutes and probably put his hand up to say, I really want more minutes and said to TC, this is what I can do. And he was just into everything. And, and the biggest thing that I saw was that support line on Mark Talia was just, man, no one was around him. And out of nowhere, you just saw that big red lock and he just smashed that ruck. And that was just such a crucial moment. And that three points was just that breathing room they needed and then obviously Rico's try from there cleaned it up. But I thought Tom Robinson's sub and, and his energy really brought them home. It's yeah. an embarrassment of riches for the Blues. Just on that, just on that, yeah. Just, yeah, exactly. So just on there, I think, Jip, it's amazing what competition can do as well. Yeah. You think about, you, you talked about, and you talked around previously around, um, with, the, with the example of the Crusaders and around competitiveness and, you know, that, 20, that 60 to 80 minute mark, you know, we're traditionally, um, you know, we've had some success in those kind of time frames. And you're looking at now when you're at the, and you look at the Blues now, that 23 that you can play or whoever you pick now, they do a job when they come on and they actually add, they add and add and actually adds, to them wanting to probably play more minutes. You know, Tom Robinson probably wants to play more minutes. You know, Goodhue probably wants to play more minutes. And Ruru, who had a great preseason as well. And so you've got all these players that, you know, in their own right could probably be starting, but they're on the bench and then they're actually being able to have that role come on, execute and actually um, influence the game in a different way. And so I think you're spot on there, Joe. I think the your the, the subs that came, the substitutes that came on, they added impact. And I think, especially in these derby games where, you probably find the you know that 50 to 60 minute mark you know it's pretty much a stalemate and then it's pr- pretty usually usually on the bench who comes on and actually adds more of an impact that actually ends up getting getting the results in the game and I think the Blues did really well with that with the guys that I've, that we've talked about yeah um, and the impact on the weekend absolutely and I mean you you bang on because like how do you like a kidder was exceptional on the night like him on the edge that fend on Adi Savia like. Artie's one of the best tacklers and he's busting up, making metres everywhere. Hoskins was exceptional. You know, Dalton was great. And, you know, Adrian Choke comes on for him, you know, on debut. He was great. So, yeah, it is, it is, it's a great luxury to have. But that's what you need. You need that depth. And I've spoken about it at length. Is That's what you need is that depth and someone to be able to step in because we are going to get injuries. And that's the nature of this beat and this competition is you need someone to be able to step in straight away and nothing changes. And that level of standard is, is kept. And, and it's exciting because they certainly know themselves that they didn't perform at the level that they want. Um, they did look good with Oteri Black and Stephen Petafetra. I thought oh. that was a good combo. Oh, o- nice. O- mm. Oteri was exceptional. Yeah. Stevie P was growing great guns at 15. Uh, before he got injured last year and, and he's, a, he's a great fit at, at 15. I think it's a great spot for him and he, he's really, he's a great link man but you know, Oteru's game management, his ability to never overplay his forwards, if it's not working he's got great back, backfield awareness so if, if the wingers are back and, and the Hurricanes back three are back there, he just put a cross field kick to Kera at one stage, rather than you know banging and crashing too much of the falls, he just puts it puts it to the boot. So that um, you know pass, kick, run mentality is is just so in point at the moment. We spoke about it last week, even in preseason. But again, he saw them back, and then Kera makes good yardage down the sideline, and then it comes back for a penalty. Uh, then the then the the wingers come up, so then he puts it you know down. So he's never over tiring his forwards, and, and then so. 
it gives them enough energy so that when they do get down there they can really roll their sleeves up and do the business but also on the flip side they can do the business physically defensively when they have to you know stop those big boys mm. um, in the canes who were pretty impressive at times especially a Safar Moor but Oteri yeah. is just um, he's got a good calm presence about him and he's really coming of age and, and we spoke about you know uh, Bodie moving on and Dan last week but of, of giving the reins to someone and that, that space for someone to step into and I think Oatsy has been looking forward to this and he's, and he's really relishing it and, it and you can just see that he feels like it's his team he's got a great relationship with Sammy Knott and I, I thought Sammy was great on the night Bryn will be able to touch more on that but I really do think Sammy's um, continuing on from that Northland form where he just plays um, happy uh, with a smile on his face and, and plays what he sees with a bit of flair and, and his passing game comes to, to life and then you know Stevie P out the back just gives him that ability to just take the pressure off and step into that first receiver role and again I just thought you know Rico defensively um, allowed them to shut down Nani as well. Uh, I, if you look at, um, I think I've got it written here, where is it? Um, Rico's um, and at the 15 minute mark if you can if I don't know if we can get the footage to, to match this up but you watch the yardage Rico shuts down mm. um, on Nani La Mapi uh, defensively he just his speed saves and gets up on Nani's face and, and cuts them off you know I don't know about 15 20 meters behind the game line I think it goes back to a hurricanes penalty or scrum knock on but it's that speed and his ability defensively that that didn't really allow those big barnstorming you know runs that Nani did so well against us last year, and we we saw tape and footage of. So those sort of key players that have had three or four years together now um, are starting to get a really good mix together. Now, look, I think um, the combination of of Noki and Otiri, and you talked about Stevie P and his involvement in the game as well. I think you know they're playing really well and it's really important for a spine I think it's important to have those guys playing well and you know I think what you get with that we've talked about it a lot previously especially in inside backs is the continuity and being able to have time in the saddle and you know Noki's had a lot of time at, at Maritain Cup he, he played really well for Northam which Drip alluded to and then um, you know Oates has been in around now and I guess having the involvement of being able to have Dan Carter and Bowden Barrett to learn off even though he spent a bit of time with Bodie but um, you know having Dan Carter there to to ask questions throughout the year last year would probably be massive as well. And so, yeah, I think they're going they're going really well. And like I said before, Finlay Christie's there as well, who was really big for them last year around being a good nine. And Jonathan Rudu, who's had an exceptional uh, preseason and played well, I thought played. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Well on the weekend as well. Going uh, 
um, you know, it's probably adding to why the Blues are going so well. Uh, even though it's early doors, they're playing well, uh, like they did on, on the weekend. Do you think that Otere Black is in the running to be an international team? We spoke last week about how we're short on 10s at the moment. It, it, could he fit into an All Blacks 23? Oh, I think he has the capabilities of doing it. He's played at an international level. For, I know it's for the New Zealand Maldives, but you know, every time he's played for the New Zealand Maldives, he's, he's performed well. And I think he's a form for this year and even last year as well. His involvement's coming back from a pretty bad injury the year before. So I think, you know, any if, you, if your team's playing well, you know, your team's usually playing well as well. So I think we've talked around game management, which I think at the next level is massive. And, you know, OT, that's probably his one of his defining factors that he's real calm and makes great decisions under pressure and, like I said, at the moment he's playing like he's making the right decisions and putting them in the right field of the uh, right right parts of the field. So, look, if he continues to play really well, and then you know, like you said, there's not many tens around with Bodie going around. Obviously, Josh Ruani's, um has played that one test, but other than that, you've only got Richie Mwanga. So he's definitely putting his hand up if he continues to keep playing like he is. He is slightly different from the other guys. He doesn't take on the line himself as much as those other tens, and, and the tens that have been favoured international level over the last four or five years, Chipper. Is, is it? In- Imperative for him to have that ability to take on the line with ball in hand? Yeah, oh, look, I think there is definitely parts of his game that he does. I think a couple of times he did have a crack at the line on the weekend and unfortunately you know, got caught up a little bit and I think there was one time he got turned over. But he's definitely got that part to his game. I've seen a number of times at training he sliced through. So it's actually a, an onus on the guys around him to run committed lines to, to create space. So if everyone's committed to their roll in and around a 10 that's running at the line then someone will be in space and if they're not then it's probably best to go out the back because then the space will be somewhere else so it's it's not just about um, Otiri running flat and hard at the line it's about everyone doing their roles in and around that to create space somewhere because if it's not there you've done your job and committed the defence it will be somewhere else and it might be via the boot or something like that so he's definitely got that aspect to his game and um, I, I definitely think he'll be in the mix because he's, he's a tactician um, and he's got that balance and, and, and he's starting to make great decisions at the right time and that's that's what you want out of your 10. You, he's a general and, and he's always going to make forwards happy because he's putting the ball in front of them. And I think sometimes as well, when teams are going well or, or they're starting to win, you, you actually forget to credit coaching groups. Um, and, and I think the Blues coaching group needs a big pat on the back. You know, they work really well together in, in Leon, Tom, Dan and, and Tana. And, and um, you know, behind the scenes, they won't be looking for too much credit. But they've actually done a lot of work for, for our game drivers and, and to give them confidence in their own game, but also giving them the tactical now to understand how to manipulate and play that chess game uh, a little bit better um, under the bright lights and, and the big occasion and uh, I think you're starting to see that come to fruition so I think the coaching group de- deserves a big pat on the back as well. Mm, they've got their work cut out for them over the next week or so because they're not coming home. Uh, yeah. How difficult is that? <sighs> I think it's good for our group. Um, I think if you look at when we went to South Africa and we won all those games on the road it was really good for us um, in terms of we got to connect a lot we got to run a lot of extra training sessions and and we never really were allowed to you know able to switch off and, and we got to talk a lot of rugby we got to you know get around computers and and it's just all that continual growth and I know that sounds a lot of code 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 but it's not a bad thing for a young team because you you're continually growing and then we had our ability to have some fun together as well and and shut the laptops and switch off from rugby and and get to know each 
each other um, away from rugby as well, and that's including management and staff. So I think it'll be really good for the Blues, and, and, and they'll embrace it. Um, and, and we actually really thrived after that South African trip and, and really enjoyed that, that aspect of it. And I, I think um, if they are away from home, it will be hard um, on families, but uh, at least I suppose we're still in New Zealand and, and got a close nature in that sense. But I think um, it, can, it can further grow uh, themselves and, and I think it'll just be another challenge that they'll look to, to thrive upon and, and use to motivate them. And in the week of a bye, I mean, it's quite a long time, Bryn. You know, it's not just that they're away, they're, it's a couple of weeks possibly. Yeah, well, fingers crossed, hopefully hopefully it's not because, yeah, it's obviously tough for families and um, especially when you don't get to see them. So, But I think coming back to, to Jip's point, I think, um, you do feel that when you when you are together, when you go on tour, you know you get to spend that extra little bit extra time after training, but even after training as well. You can always talk rugby. You can go have a coffee at night. You can go have, um, after dinners. You can um, you can talk code or You can just talk life, and that's where you just get that real culture. You get that real um, excuse me, <clears throat> that ability to care about people. And we've used that a lot on the show around caring, and you know those kind of things are um, you can't underestimate the time away from your family. Um, and I think one good thing about it as well is I know we talk we talk about geographically being in Auckland, and I know Jip's already talked about it. That they've done things to to get over the the traffic barrier and be able to spend more time with each other. But you know you're in a smaller city where again you're just with your teammates and you know, you've got that ability to connect on you know with on with rugby, but also off the field as well, which is important to to building team culture and um, having that care aspect in in games as well. Mm-hmm. And so. With that said, let's have a look at the, the teams who are playing this weekend. Um, we've got the Sky Sport tipping competition. Of course, go to the skysport.co.nz website. Sign up to the tipping competition. It's not too late. You'll get the average points from the previous round to get you going and, and still in the competition with a few weeks to go. Jep, Bryn, you guys are doing very well. First up, five points out of a possible six. You're both leading the Sky Sport League. <laughs> I'm, I'm back a little bit. I don't know what happened. I don't even understand the point scoring. I think both teams to win, won, but somehow I'm another two points back. Uh, but where are you going with it this week? Uh, well, for the first game, I've got the Highlanders to bounce back, um, and I think they'll they'll do it by ten uh, against the Chiefs at home. I, d- I just think um, they'll they've got a, a game. They've got game, I suppose, intensity under their belt and. Just with a bit of change in the Chiefs, I think you know they'll they'll be better for the changes they've got. But I just think uh, the Highlanders will will rectify a few things, and, and they had that game right in the balance against a really good Crusaders team, and uh, I think they'll get the spoils uh, by ten uh, wow. on Friday night. That's a bold call. Mm. Yeah. I think they'll take their threes a little <laughs> bit more early, yeah. potentially. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's I think that's where they will uh, get up, and I, I think it'll be three tries to two. Who tries the two in Hamilton. Mm. Damn, damn. I, see, I didn't see that coming. I didn't see that coming. Well, I might be wrong. I, I wish, yeah, <laughs> this is true. But um, I suppose they've, they've had more time in the saddle as well. Um, but I, I would always go the home team, 1-12, to 12, unless it's the Crusaders. That's pretty much my general basis. Yeah, Actually, well, I, I went with the Blues on the weekend, but I think yeah. the squad is so much better than the Hurricanes squad. Yeah, well, I'll probably be at the bottom of the league yeah. next week. Could, so. Or you could be well ahead. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think, Brent, about that game? Yeah, also, I, I really struggled, really struggled with this one. I think um, I couldn't decide. I think Clayton McMillan is going to play a bit of a part in this, and that they're trying to build something there, going back to a little bit of their um, 
the Chiefs mana kind of mindset just through the chats of seeing seeing them and that kind of stuff. So um, I'm actually going to go the Highlanders, but I think it's going to be a little bit closer than than, than ten. I just I think it's going to be maybe a penalty, a penalty or just five points. It's going to be really really close. I think um, I think the Highlanders just get over the line. The fact that they've had that one extra game in and it probably a little bit uh, match hardened a little bit more. So I think that'd be the only reason why why I picked them, but. I could be, to be honest, I could make a late, late, late change. The fact that Jip has gone the Highlanders, I want to make an early statement and go out in the lead first, so I might just pick the Chiefs. Well, you can't, mate. You've just said it. Yeah. You can't make a late change. It's <laughs> in the box. I haven't, haven't put it in, so <laughs> if, my, if my gut tells you, I think Highlanders just, yeah. they'll just put by, I think. Well, we want to win this. We want to stay ahead of the crew from um, the breakdown and the other Sky Sports shows that are yeah, coming yeah. up. Well, we've, got to, we've got to dominate. I've just got to pick who I think. I yeah. think the Highlanders are going to win. Highlanders are going to win. Uh, Crusaders, Hurricanes, I mean, Crusaders, big. Yeah, I, I think the Crusaders, I, I, I looked at the weather forecast. It says it's going to be a bit of patchy rain a Sunday afternoon. The game obviously moved to Sunday. Uh, so I think that'll suit their mall. Um, and, and I just think back at, back at home, I think it could be a big win by 14. Solid. So Crusaders yeah. by 14. Yeah, yeah. I was tempted to go even bigger. Mm, well, we... the last time it was a lot bigger. Yeah. Than Fourteen. Yeah. Although last. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give you guys a wee little tip there. I think you know last time they tipped us up as well. So. Yeah. That's <laughs> how they tipped us up. So. Well, are you picking the yeah. Hurricanes? I'm not just gonna go for my team, Joe. I'm oh, not gonna okay. give any. Che- I was just checking. I'm not gonna give any. I was just checking. Not gonna give any end plans around what that checking. score will be or what it will be, but. Yeah. Well, I was. Good, well, um, I was pretty, going pretty to. Get... <laughs> I, I was going to go by 28 points, but then I thought there'd be a few yellow cards and stuff, so I put 14. <laughs> Probably I thought a 14. Less than there should have been, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, te- the Teflon Crusaders. So I, thought, I thought 14. I thought 14 points would be all right. <laughs> yeah, we'll look forward to this. Tune in to Sky Sport, to the tipping comp. Get involved. There are prizes at the end if you go really, really well. If you beat these two guys, you're probably a bit of a legend because they're at the top of the table right now, and hopefully for the time being. Over the Tassie. Should probably get them on the show. Should probably get them on the show, Ross. Yeah, but we'll dial in. There's only room for one on the big screen. We we could drop you. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We get to that part of the show and it's like, are the Crusaders going to win? Yeah, Yeah, the Crusaders are going to win. Okay. It won't be that in a few weeks. (laughs) When they take on the Blues. (laughs) Yeah. He's enjoyed that. He has, he has. Over the Tassie? Yeah. We had a couple of good wins over the Tassie on the, on the weekend. Well, yeah, there was one tight one and one uh, convincing one, but I just thought the Reds-Rebels was uh, interesting, different tactics. Obviously, uh, the, the Rebels went for seven penalties and they just chipped away, Matt Tamur, and uh, they, were, they were, I suppose, winning convincingly. They didn't have many trips to the 22, but they took their threes and... Uh, they were 21-16 up with 10 to play and then um, O'Connor started lighting things up and did a little chip to Paisami and he gave it to um, Alex Murphy and he knocked it on I think around the 72 minute but it was going to be a glorious try but it was stopped and then from that instance they went to the corner and then Murphy did a great little line-out move around the back and he scored and that took them to 23-21 and they did the big celebration I think it was about 78 minutes uh, and then Paisami just I don't know, had a brain explosion and absolutely took one of the Rebels players' heads off and gave Tamura the ability to um, uh, win the match at 80-minute mark. And Tamura had been slotting them all night and it was not one of his harder kicks and, and he just pulled it left and 
the Reds got away. Uh, after looking so convincing, obviously, against the, the Waratahs, it shows that the Rebels are a, a well-drilled side, a good squad, and, and will be serious contenders going into this. And, and the Reds you know, snuck away just uh, late, very late. But it was a, it was a great game. It was, it was actually a tight-fought game. Um, although it was penalties here and there, it was, it was entertaining footy. It wasn't tight the other way around. The Brumbies putting 50 oh. on the Tars. Now, the question is, why would you coach the Tars? All these Kiwis go over there, um, and the latest is, is Rob Penny. Yeah. And it's a poison chalice. It's, it's difficult. Like, the, the last one, Daryl Gibson was all right. He got sacked. Yeah, it's... Mate, uh... they're, they're, they're living in Bondi and Coogee. It's hard not to, <laughs> to enjoy yourself over there. No, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Well, um... <laughs> Yeah, this one was tough. Like, um, I mean, the Brumbies are good, and, and they will be tough to beat. Don't get me wrong, but it was just, and it wasn't like the Waratahs weren't giving it their all. It was certainly they were. They just they're a slick operation, the Brumbies, and um, they just they they've got the ability to maul and and take out the middle, and then Nick White has the ability to set guys like Muirhead and Banks alight out wide and. Uh, they just were relentless, and, and they just had no answer for it. And, and the, the ruthless nature, like, uh, the Waratahs were still attacking at the 80-minute mark, and, and the Brumbies were flying off their defensive line. It, it was 61-10. Mm. You know, you could forgive yeah. them for just being relaxed a little bit, and they were flying defensively. You could hear them all, you know, calling their defensive calls, and they were just not going to let the Waratahs score. And they eventually uh, forced an error, and it went out and, and you know, finished 61-10. But... It's the attitude and the ruthless nature, obviously, in their standards and, and their culture, that just they're just relentless uh, in their preparation during the week, and it and it goes through into the weekend, and um, it's it's a long way back for a pre pretty new and young Waratahs squad. You know, they've lost Hooper over to Japan, and and there's a lot of guys that are you know there's a lot of guys that have got tastes of new Wallaby taste. Um, but there's not a lot of, you know, that, that really experienced um, sort of, you know, even like Beale and Carmichael Hunt have moved on. So um, there's a bit of work to be done uh, after a pretty, uh, I suppose, positive preseason. And they were talking things up with a new skipper and, and Gordon. So uh, it's, it's going to be a tough review week mm. after that performance. Uh, Brenna, how long do you give a coach to bed in and get his way going when players are changing, especially senior players like James mentioned? Yeah, it's tough because you obviously, as a coach, you want the best of the crop when it comes to players. But, um, you know, sometimes as a coach, you, um, you lose a lot of experienced guys and you've got to bring all these young guys in. And again, like, look, we did our, my first couple of years at North Harbour, we probably didn't have the cattle of players. Um, we had really weird, some good coaches, like Liam, we had Liam Barry and um, Jeff Olsen were there who, you know, we're, we're, we're good coaches. But I think when you have the player, you don't have the, the catchment of players like all the other teams, then you know, it's a real patience game and especially in, in competitions like this where you're based on your results and performance um you know you're probably given a, sh a pretty short leash but um i know rob penny personally like i've had him in new zealand in the 20s and you know, he's a guy that you know was a mentor to scott robertson as well so you know his coaching credentials and the way he is as a coach he's a really good coach but you know unfortunately it takes a bit of time to to build on all these young guys when um especially at super rugby level well you know there's no one like that so um, still a few things that um, you know they can bring forward through the season to get better but um, yeah Rob's a, Rob's a great coach and yeah again you've just got to be able to 
go through some teething problems, unfortunately. But, you know, the Waratahs supporters probably don't want to hear that. But, again, it's really early in the comp. And like Jip said, you know, they had some some pleasing preseason form. And, you know, hopefully this is just one game they can put beside them and, um, you know, they can move it on to next week. Because I guess the positive thing about a game like that is that you want to move on to the next game quick and, you know, get all rid of, get rid of all that... Um, that bad um, 61 points that you got scored on you. <laughs> One Kiwi coach doing really well overseas is Wayne Pivak. Oh, boy. Yeah. He's come back, hasn't he? Yeah. I said he would. <laughs> I sat here at this desk and I said, you wait till it just starts to get his tactics embedded. Yes. And he just needed to give him time. You, you look at his, uh, his touch is starting to come. The, f- um, you know, the first try, just those little cheeky tactics of the crossfield kick when England are taking a little water break. Crossfield kick try, the quick tap for the third try by the halfback. You know, that's just that's yep. giving players the licence to play and a freedom and, and probably something that we haven't seen um, in the Welsh side for, for, you know, they were very successful under Warren Gatlin, so I'm not saying that that style didn't work for them because, you know, they were world number one for, at one stage and they were extremely successful. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't matter. They were still <laughs> world number one and extremely effective. But there's definitely a changing... Um, of their style and it's certainly working for a lot of the younger guys coming through and and he's definitely picked a lot of the younger guys and and trying to build a squad through there and man it it did almost look like their day though because a lot of times a ref would pull that back that crossfield kick you know when guys are taking waters and um, a a certain you know that ball went backwards um, the second try and it got kicked forward you know so sometimes it is your day Mm -hmm. and and that's what it sort of looked like but then England fought their way back to 24 all uh, but then obviously their discipline uh, let them down and you know they managed to get a few penalties and then they got their fourth try and and the bonus point and triple count but you know uh, you've got to be happy you know even the Irish game uh, they've had they've had a little bit of luck go their way, but sometimes you need that to turn a corner. You look at the Irish game, and, and I think there was a penalty towards the end, although that there was that red card, and there's a penalty towards the end, and, and the Irish uh, reserve fly half kicks it dead, and they were just starting to build momentum there, the island side, and they could have gone to the corner and maybe more and got a try there, but that went in their way. Same with Scotland, there was another card, and then you know we just spoke about a bit of luck. But sometimes you just need that to embed that confidence and belief in the new coaching systems, and and now they're starting to get that flair, and and now they'll they'll believe it even more, and he'll he'll start be able to you know tinker with a few more other things because the players will start to think no this is starting to work now mm-hmm. we've just got a triple crown how good's this let's go take on France because everyone's talking about France you know this is the big the big doozy now let's go get the Six Nation let's make it ours we're unbeaten. So it's quite exciting for where they can go, and I'm really wrapped for them because you know I, I've obviously said I've had a bit to do with them when, it, when I was um, coming through Harbour at a younger age, and you know he's a great bloke and he's one of those coaches that you know is a players' coach and really cares about his players, and I think you can see that in the way they're playing and, and what he's getting out of them because they're really playing for him and, and the Welsh jersey, and, and no doubt the people of Wales are, are loving him more now as well. You talk about the style, uh, you know, traditionally that's a Welsh style. The Welsh used to, back in the day, in the heyday, run the ball like that. Yeah, absolutely, but I think we've, I suppose I mean this, uh, maybe um, Northern Hemisphere style is, mm. is not so much maybe going to the corner and mm. mauling and yeah. stuff, whereas those quick taps and, um, you know, catching teams off guard, we've probably come accustomed to just seeing, you know, the Aaron Crudens of this world probably started doing that, the Chiefs, you know, and those quick mm. throw-ins and things like that, um, but it's catching teams off guard and that unexpected play, you know, uh, Aaron Smith against the British and Irish Lions when he quick tapped and Cody Taylor scored in 
the corner at Eden Park, those are the sorts of things that you can sort of see that Wayne Pivak is embedding in them is, is that license. You just, you feel it, you do it, and we'll deal with the consequences later because if you can pull it off, you, they're, they're momentum shifters and match-defining moments that sort of steal the game away. And, and although it didn't steal the game away at 24-11 or 24-17, it just dents that England team a little bit enough but then they fight their way in but then there's a couple of penalties and that scoreline bounces out again and it's just they they forever feel like they're climbing 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 and then you know it all it got too much and then in the end a 40 mm. uh, 40 to 28 or 40 to 24 win uh, was pretty convincing yeah I think I think on that as well Chip, if you think about you know Warren, Warren Gatlin when he was there played had a, a different mindset to what to what Wayne has and so, you know, that probably takes that transition phase. You know, we're talking around, um, you've talked about Rob Penny around, you know, him trying to instill new things. It's different for coaches in their style of play. You know, Warren Gatlin was really based, a lot based around winning that halfway battle, half-line battle, you know, building pressure, letting them make a mistake, whereas, whereas Wayne is massive around, you know, keeping the ball alive and playing and watching from front of you. So, you know, like you said, Jip, those, the, the crossfield kick for the try or for the penalty, yes, 50-50, maybe on another day they don't get that. Um, but you know the quick tap by the halfback as well to get that try, which is an instinctive play, which you know which Wayne loves. I remember my time when I played with him at at Pukadonga when I was younger. You know that was he was massive on um, uplifting the tempo and you know keeping keeping things keep keeping teams guessing. So I think that transition phase was going through it last year. And like any team, you know it takes time to learn to the new adapt style, especially when you know Wales for so many years, especially with um, Warren Gatlin was probably a little bit more conservative and um, you know without the ball, defensive being defensive. Um, and winning a game like that with pressure, whereas Wayne is a little bit different. So um, I think they've been really played really well in that game. And I think a guy that I was really impressed with was Folatau as well. His, you know, he had 18 carries for 49 meters, which which doesn't look great in the, you know, if you're looking around run run meters per carry. But you know, they're hard carries, they're tough carries, and they're carries that um, you know that win games. And so you know, and he also had 11 tackles as well. So you know, I thought him and actually Alan Wynne Jones as well. Um, was fantastic around set piece and inserting that their dominance and so I thought um, overall I thought the Wales for that to get that triple crown it was it was a great great for Wayne and their, and their team. Geez, I'd be happy with those meters per carry. <laughs> <laughs> what are you wanting out of them? Well, we do talk well. We we, we do talk around Akira Yuani and Hoskins Satudu. Yeah. Like yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> Akira Yuani, Hoskins Satudu, <laughs> Dalton Papali'i, Blake Gibson, any others? <laughs> Better chuck a Sapphire Moore in there. God, he was impressive. Well, he was. Yeah. He was. Yeah. What do you think of him? Is his? I mean, we know that he can carry a ball. Is his entire skill set getting to the place where oh, he is, is. In, in the place where he could be to yeah. either usurp Dan Coles or to, you know, at least get more minutes? Oh, I definitely think that's what I was saying before. I think he's got himself in a place where Colsey doesn't have to play 80 minutes. I, I think we've got to understand where Colsey's at, though, at international level. Like, he is, you know, he is a test match level player that will always probably, you know, command that number two jersey when he's, he's so good at that level. And let's just not forget... I know he's not in front of us now, but he's just an amazing player as well. And, and when he gets back, he's such a competitor, he'll want as many minutes as, as possible. But um, Asafa Amor's game, we always knew ball in hand, defensively, great. But his throwing has just come in leaps and bounds. Mm. Scrummaging, he can't put all on him. It's, a, it's an eight-man thing, and, and they struggled the other night, so you can't put all on that. But I, I think you know, his, his more and more time he gets in the All Blacks, that's only going to develop more and more, and I don't think that's a massive concern. But his all-round game is growing, and again, 
if it's off the bench or it's starting, it just means this warfare sort of Super Rugby Aotearoa, it's not Colsey having to go out and push his body every week so that when he gets international level, you know, you're having to, it just means when he comes back, he can maybe come off the bench for the first two games and then he gets a start and, and a suffer can get a rest. And, you know, you've got Ricky Riccatelli there, you know, like, they, you know, they've got the ability to manage minutes. It's, it's like, it's, it's a luxury of riches. So, his his game is pushing definitely for a start, and 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 will be pushing Dane to get back. But it'll bring the best out of Colsey because mm. he's a competitor. It'll it'll bring the best out of him, which only sets up All Black rugby for the better as well. But um, man, his his game he's backing up last year as well because he was exceptional last year, and that's how he pushed his way back into that third hooking spot for the All Blacks as an Asafa Moore, and now. That first round was crucial, and just his early touches in the game, but it was consistent, his fitness. He was there at the 60-minute mark and still going and, you know, looking for the ball, looking for involvements, but that fitness was still good enough to throw the nut and, and get around and do his core rolls as well. So, no, he's in a, he's in a great place. You mentioned Leeds Leeds Blake's a good place. You know, when Dane was coming through, there was Andrew Hoare, Kevin Mialamu there, and he was able to spend time, maybe he was 25 or so, before mm. he really got to consolidate that position in the All Blacks 2 jersey. Asafu Amua has a similar luxury. Yeah, well, it's the same with Cody Taylor, because then it was mm. Kevy and Dane, and Cody was sitting there in the third, and now it's you know Cody and Dane and now Asafu Amua doing uh, probably a similar role for, for a wee bit, and, and it's, it's exceptionally lucky, because... You don't want to be thrown out there and, and then you know not quite nail it and, and be cast aside because his skill set's you know it's freakish mm. uh, what he can do with ball in hand and, and defensively he's he's vicious so he he needs to be nurtured and, and made sure that we get the best out of him for you know 70 80 90 or however many tests yeah the crusaders are going to enjoy tackling him on the weekend Hope he doesn't come down my way. Because <laughs> <laughs> nah, you're going to put him on the floor. Nah, look, I, yeah. Oh, yeah, he'll put me on the floor probably. He'll be another one for Hall. <laughs> Is this where we play nah, the other side? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think coming back to Jets. Well, I won't throw stones. He'd bowl me over too. I think um, I had a Safa Moore and Adi Sevier, the other two best on park for me with the Hurricanes on the weekend. Um, and so, you know, Chip has brought up all those points around a Safa and, you know, he's been around for a while now, but I think especially in a position like that, it takes time and um, you look, he's going to continue to play more minutes and, you know, keep Dane on his toes, which Jip alluded to. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a great it's a great uh, problem for the coaching to have when you've got a guy um, like Dane who's experienced and you know what you're going to get out of him, but then you've got someone that's different as well who can probably add impact off the bench, but, you know, through showing on the weekend, he can also start and do that job as well, which probably gives Dane the opportunity to maybe possibly rest one game and you bring in Ricky Riccatelli, so... No, it's a great, it's a great, um, it's great for the Hurricanes at the moment. Mm, it's exciting. He's the cut. Julian Savia was so good as well. He's looking man. He big was, shape. He was just Come everywhere. Fit, hey? Yeah, yeah. Looks lean. Yeah, um, and he looks like I think when he left, it felt like he'd run out of options. It felt like he was always just going straight through the middle and ploughing. But you could see that he was willing to go outside, willing to go inside, and he seemed to be the Julian Savia of old. We. He wasn't one-dimensional. No, he certainly wasn't. He's, he, but he's just busy. He just seemed to be everywhere. Mm. Uh, he had a great game as well. Yeah, yeah. And I think it was mm. quite a special moment for him to go back on, holding his niece's hand while going out with Artie in the hundreds. You could see that it was such a special moment for the family to have them mm. all back together. Yeah. No, yeah. And what a moment to I be think, out yeah. there for that. Yeah. Pity the Blues didn't yeah. let him win I it. think, yeah. I've let them yeah, I think around that as well, like... You, 
<laughs> yeah, nice. I think around it's he look, he look he looks happy, and I don't know if, if you look, look at that as well, Jip. You know, yeah. I think you know you look at the time that he spent he spent in Toulon, and you know probably got a little bit of negative media with um, with, the, with Toulon and that, and um, you know probably wasn't wasn't happy over there, and then lockdown happened, and so it probably wasn't a great experience for him, you know, in, in that respect. So, but then you get to come back home to a team that you know he's he's probably he's supported his whole life, he's played great rugby for, he's, and then he gets to be with his brother and his family and, and his kids and and everything like that. So. I think that must that, that adds to it as well, and you know, like you said, he's looking trim, um, fast, busy, and so um, he looks like a guy that looks really happy to be back home and is playing great footy. And you know, the Hurricanes going to be um, great, going to benefit really well from that. Absolutely, good Julian Savier, good Asafua Moore. They're bums on seats, guys. Oh they? yeah, I, I was enjoying it, even though they were going against my team. Like they, they, they just. The energy when they do stuff, it's great. And I enjoy it even more when they still are entertaining and, and my team wins. <laughs> the perfect win. The tune in this weekend to Sky and to Rugby Pass' streaming service if you're in the Northern Hemisphere to see those two games this weekend. We've got the Chiefs, Highlanders and also the Crusaders versus the Hurricanes. Plenty to watch over the weekend. So thank you to James Parsons, Bryn Hall down in Town, looking to take down the Hurricanes once again. We'll join you next time on the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.